Ladies and gentlemen, we're back from our WrestleMania break. This is the podcast Wrestlers with Experience. With your with are your co-host Mark Morell, who covers everything New Japan, NWA, and beyond, and where I cover all things WWE. Your co-host is working on new content for the show. He will be bringing us more content on everything that's going on in New Japan and NWA and New Japan Strong, a new show that we have to add to the review list, the ideas, and what we think of it. But now allow me to introduce myself. I am one half of this illustrious tag team, the most illustrious tag team in the universe of the Wrestlers With Experience podcast. To the unsuspecting public, I am simply known as Dietrich Davis. But to the underworld, the black markets, the dark web, the secret and private societies, I am known as Diamond Head, the world boss. To the people in Hollywood that worship me, I am their giant. And if he doesn't know what that means, that stands for global icon and national treasure. For the brothers, for my brothers in Mexico in Mexico and the Mexican cartels, they call me El Cardinal de Morte. In Germany, I am known as Vata, Unvalfeva, and Rice Counselor. In Japan, I am known as the Gaijin King. In Middle Earth, they call me Monster Zero. In Africa, I am the king of two worlds. To the voodoo priests, I am King Papa Shango. And to the warlords, I am known as King Bumaye. In the world of porn, kink, BDSM, the self-loathing and sexual deprived, downright and dirty, filthy, rich, scandalous debutantes, I am known as the 11-inch Mandango. Now to you mystified, Bible-thumping, Savior-praising, Scripture-reading, verses-quoting, altar-kneeling, self-righteous heathens, you can call me and continue knowing me as God. And to the gods and the titans and the deities of the universe, you know who I am. The last titan, the killer of kings, the planet destroyer, the end all and be all. The universe is built in my image. Yes, ladies and gentlemen, that intro was long, but my my name is Dietrich Davis. Now. Our podcast recently got suspended for a few weeks because of audio content uploaded. I did have to pay a little bit of a fine. It is what it is. I had to deal with the RIAA. They came down on us. They struck down. We have learned a very valuable and semi-expensive lesson. It is what it is. I will no longer allow myself to be upset. So we will be eventually making custom music just for this particular podcast as an intro show. Until then, you will get me talking my shit at the beginning. I will not talk shit to the RIAA, the NS, um, the NSA or the, the other associations consistent to it. We got caught slipping. We didn't know. This could that playing of a people's music on a podcast, even though we provided links to it can affect us. But it is what it is. And who am I to get upset? I am of this industry. We live in a capitalist business and I understand that through and through. But with that said. Welcome to Wrestlers with Experience. And in this podcast, we always tell I always try to give you guys 100 percent the truth from a corporate and business in. 
the fan to to look at wrestling and have a podcast from a fan's perspective is not a smart thing because you become emotional and bitter on this microphone. There are no true competitors in wrestling. There are no true men killing each other and going for blood. If you do not understand the business of professional wrestling, when you're watching that show, you've watched at least 10 people cut each other's throats to get that little bit of seven to 10 minutes of airtime, depending on who the individual is. WrestleMania, WrestleMania, WrestleMania weekend has passed. And I, I'm glad I watched WrestleMania with friends on night one, and I'm glad I watched it privately on night two. I've watched both WrestleManias twice now, and I'll be giving you a review on the full WrestleMania show over the course of the weekend. But with that being said, we have to talk about the most important thing and the releases that always happens after WrestleMania season. We've lost about maybe eight or nine wrestlers who not lost eight or nine wrestlers have been released from the WWE marketplace. They are no longer considered um, talent or properties of the WWE system. A lot of people like Sean Ross Sapp got on Twitter today with his Twitter fingers and he had the nerve to say, pretty tone deaf to do this one day and one, one year and one day later. And if you don't know what Sean Ross Sapp of Fightful Select is talking about, he is talking about how last year they released the wrestlers around this same time after WrestleMania when COVID had struck. And I understand COVID has affected us all around the world. And a lot of people are going to say WWE turned out two of the biggest financial years they have had in the last two years. Why are they releasing wrestlers? And I'll get into that theory in a little bit. But we have to sit back and comprehend and really think the situation through. WWE have been res- releasing wrestlers since the night after WrestleMania, since WrestleMania 1. It is their new year. For us, the new year is January 1st. For them, the new year is or was always between March and April in WrestleMania season. But no matter what, in this week in April, by the week by April 5th, between the 15th and the 20th, we have always gotten releases. Whether you were aware of it, whether you were children then, teenagers then, or in adults now, this has always been the time that 10 to 12, sometimes 20 wrestlers are released. And also 10 to 12 wrestlers are hired and brought back into the, uh, into the fold. No one, no one is um, prepared to be fired or released, especially when you're at the quality of talent that they expect them to be at. The fans always have, someone is always going to have their favorite wrestler fired. And pardon me if I'm not, high pace with this particular topic. I want to take my time with this topic. I want to breathe this topic out with you because a lot of you are looking at this completely wrong. And for Sean Ross Sapp to say, this is tone deaf, that they shouldn't be doing this. What happened to that? That is what we, what we have right there is a millennial, a millennial cuck who can't see beyond his nose it doesn't understand what it is that being to have a company with six to seven hundred employees and two hundred pieces of talent. 
Is it a budget thing? Yes. Just because we turned the profit doesn't mean we're not over budget. And that's what people fail to realize. Now, this is not me caping for WWE. This is not me going all cap for WWE. This is me understanding corporate structure. This is me understanding that the engine must always be fine tuned to make more money. And just because you have an idea of what they think they should be doing, you have no idea on what needs to be done. A lot of you got another, a lot of you when it comes to this business of professional wrestling, I'm not going to say you, but a lot of people know enough information to think that they're right, but not enough information to know that they're wrong. And in this scenario right now, as all of the review videos, all of the videos are going up about firings and this, that, and the other, I would like to know how many of them were vice presidents of a major corporation. I would like to know how many of them were in charge of more than 50 people their whole life. And I'm not talking about friends and family. I would like to know how many of them had to tell someone that they were fired and had to let them go. And then there's 50 other names on the list that they got to let go. And you're watching people cry, you know, their families and this and that. Unwanted phone calls and meetings. Some of you don't some of you don't even have the spirit to be built in that framework to do something like that. I, unfortunately, have been in that position. I've been there when you told people they got the job and they're to have the biggest smile on their face. And I've been there to tell people we have to let you go. There was one time I had to let go 160 people because it was just time to clean house. It is not as not as comfortable as you think it is. And because you are fans of these people, because you put them on a pedestal and you became a fanatic and you in this, why aren't they doing this and why aren't they doing that? You do not know what that company may have to do just to make room for the future. I'm talking very broadly. I am not talking about necessarily the WWE. But we have to understand that you have to clean house. Go into your house, look in your closet, and you may have clothes that you need to throw away that you have it thrown away. But you can't even put new stuff in the closet because you haven't made room for the old stuff. We don't know. They may have a list of names um, that we're unaware of and and, uh, that they want to hire and put into those positions and so on and so on. And we can't sit there and be upset. I mean, you, you, you have every right to be upset. But then if you're going to be upset about these people being fired, then you need to learn, have to learn what it takes to find new talent. And if they held on to every piece of talent, they would probably have over 700 wrestlers because you wouldn't want to let any of your toys go. When I was a kid, my uh, moms bought us a big ass wooden toy box and all our toys would go in there. And there would be a time where she would come up to us and it'll be around maybe around December 1st. And she was like, Christmas is coming. Throw away all broken toys and all the toys you do not play with. 
And I would go in there and I'll put like three or four out and then she would have us empty out the whole toy, whole toy box. And if it was accessories to the toys we couldn't use, weapons to the toys we couldn't use, a broken leg here, a broken arm there, and it was not salvageable, it was automatically garbage. And she said to me, this will teach you how to always readjust your margins. How does WWE can find new pieces of talent if they never let go of old pieces of talent? And what are you doing backstage that makes them go, it's time to let this motherfucker go? Ladies and gentlemen, let me run down the list of names that WWE has let go. Mickey James, Chelsea Green, Tucker, Callisto, Wesley, Brake, uh, Wesley Blake, Bo Dallas, Peyton Royce, Billy Kay, and Samoa Joe. Now, um, Samoa Joe... It's funny, me and, and, and the co-host of this show, Mark Morell, was watching WrestleMania together at a friend of ours' house. And I remember seeing Samoa Joe on the camera, and I said, doesn't it look like he's ready to go? I said, Samoa Joe knows he's phoning it in, and he probably doesn't even want to fucking be here anymore. He has a lot of in, he has a few injuries that are life career-threatening. He's sitting there, and he, even though he's great on commentary... He might not want to be there no more. Bo Dallas, we haven't seen him since 2019. Everyone thought they should put him with The Fiend. They should put him with this. He should have been back with NXT after Brock Lesnar destroyed him on television. We did not see him ever again. Mickey James, weirdly to say, over, the, over WrestleMania 37 weeks, she literally was on commentary for NXT TakeOver as a commentary gig, which she did phenomenal. Chelsea Green had two bad starts. I believe injured on both runs or at least one run. There was nothing Chelsea Green could not get off the ground when it came to the world of WWE. So I could understand them letting them go. Tucker was always on a chopping block in my personal opinion. Though he was great in heavy machinery, the star was Otis. And obviously they kept who was going to be more of a fit in the world of stardom, in the world of presentation, in the world of money in WWE, and they kept Otis and Tucker had to go. Kalisto, I would have sent him down to NXT and at least let him do something with the cruiserweights over there. I think they lost a great talent in Kalisto. Wesley Blake, I can't remember shit he's done. And I'm just going to keep that 1,000% with you. Now, it comes down to the last three names. I mean, I'm Samoa Joe I mentioned. Peyton Royce and Billy Kay, I'm questioning. I wouldn't be shocked if they get hired back at low, lower rates in contract. But those two had an it factor. They made people hate them. They was annoying. They was great. They knew how to wrestle. And I think if they would have put those two back together and put them in the WWE Women's Tag Team Championship uh, uh, title place, they would have done great in helping other teams or just being bodies to have women who are viable to be going after belts in the women's tag team division on the WWE product. I think they, or, and I said this while I was watching WrestleMania night one, they should put Peyton, put Peyton Royce and Billy Kay and let them be the lackeys for this guy's girl's friend, uh, Carmella. I think they missed out a, a grand opportunity with Carmella and putting Billy Kay and Peyton Royce and letting her be her lackeys, let her be the stooges. 
she could have been the Vince McMahon-like scenario, and that could have been the Stooges for her to do what she wants, use the win name matches, use the win tag team gold, use to keep her as a world heavyweight champion. You know what I'm saying? There was a lot of potential with the Billy Kay, Peyton Royce, and, 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 and Carmelo thing, because we saw that when, I believe, Billy Kay, or I forget which one, was with Carmelo. And now where does this put Carmella? She, uh, Carmella has always found a way to rebuild herself on television. Now she doesn't have one of the original icon, one of the iconics by her side to make her look good. You know, I, you know it's, it's, it's a weird thing that they are doing right now in the company. But I need people to literally stop with the, oh, they made so much of a profit. Oh, this is tone deaf. This is this. No, this is corporate business. It does not fucking matter. You people on the Twitter world will be upset for three to four days. And then by next week's Monday Night Raw and week of wrestling, you'll be fucking okay. You'll be okay. You don't know, even though they are a billion dollar corporation. And I do have an episode in the can talking about paying talent which is going to be released over the weekend. I do have an episode about paying the talent because that's a very serious thing I feel. And I kind of went off, either you'll like it or you won't. But we can't be upset when WWE let go of talent. And also, we don't know how many wanted them to go. We don't know, we don't know how many of them was like, you know what? I think it's best we leave. What if all of them at one point said they wanted to leave the company because they were tired of sitting around? We don't know the conversations. It's not like we have a camera backstage where we're seeing every conversation, every this, every that. We don't know what these, let me see. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. We don't know what these nine names were saying. I believe they also released somebody, some people on the corporate side, names that you will never see. I don't see you guys getting upset about the people in the office that might have been fired and let go. So the problem is we have a fan ego system. And because you like someone, you think they should stay. Imagine paying for something that's not producing for you. Imagine buying a computer that doesn't turn on. Imagine downloading music and hating the whole album. Oh, we've all been there before. And then there's the argument about booking and this, that, and the other. Booking is an imaginary system in a world of sports where the answers are all predetermined. When the outcomes are all predetermined when all the questions are purposely manufactured for one result. You want to talk bad booking, go watch the UFC and complain who should be fighting who. That's the only place where booking takes place. Go complain in the boxing world where real booking takes place. This is the WWE is a Hollywood system, i.e. why they are getting money from the Hollywood systems. I can go off consistently. I can go on and on. And this episode may be a little bit more low in tone 
because I I, I 100% understand that 99.9% don't understand corporate business structure and what has to be done. And everybody can blame John Laurinaitis, everybody can blame Vince McMahon, everybody can blame Bruce Pritchard. In reality, there was at least 50 or 60 people who helped make this decision. There were 50 or 60 people who put their two cents in and their two cents are valuable and they are not names you do not know. And I'm gonna tell you a name that you might not be familiar with. Let me pull up my personal notes because I don't want to be wrong when I say this at all. Let me see something. I'm sorry to be long-winded with you guys and not be prepared, but it just hit me. Um... Jesus Christ, I can't find his name right now in my personal notes. But there's a there's a there's a president by the name of Khan. Not Tony Khan from AEW, but there's another Khan. And he is one of the many people who have bringing who is bringing the big money to WWE. He is one of the people uh Nick Nicholas Nick Khan. He is one of the people who has, he is the chief revenue officer, president and chief revenue officer, uh, officer of WWE. Nick Khan sits above Stephanie McMahon and Triple H and Kevin Dunn and Christina Sailing, good friend of mine. They sit above, they, Nick Khan is technically the second in command of WWE. If you really want to talk about it, not Bruce Pritchard. And if he realizes he's the one who's looking at the ratings, he's looking at the numbers, he's looking at social media, he's looking at everything. But this motherfucker is a power broker. You guys have no understanding. You guys do not get Nick Khan is a major, major power broker down in WWE. This man has gotten a lot of people's careers off the ground. He is. I don't I'm not going to get into it. He is a power broker. This guy is about to have all of the sports companies from baseball, football, soccer, and so on and so on. Get the have it where WWE is going into the official sports memorabilia business where they're creating the cylinder plate, the circle plates that go on the sides of the WWE championships and intercontinental championships and United States championships. So now sports fans are going to be buying their favorite products from their favorite team logos from WWE. Nick Khan is a beautiful monster to have in your company. And if I was running a major corporation, Nick Khan is the guy that I'm going after to make sure I get what I need. And I think people need to understand and realize who he is, what he does, and what he's looking at. So if these girls got fired, I wouldn't be shocked if this was well thought out. This man has made billions for everyone. 
you're not gonna <laughs> you're not gonna um and I want to say this correctly you're not going to be able to pull a fast one on him so Billy Kay, Mickey James, Chelsea Green, Tucker, Kalisto, Wesley, Briggs, Wesley Blake, Samoa Joe, Bo Dallas, and Peyton Royce. As the WWE say, we wish you well on your future endeavors. And never say never, you might be back. But at this moment in time, every year, every physical year in your company, if you are not restructuring your business plan and how you handle it, then you should not be doing any business at all. With that being said, ladies and gentlemen, I thank you for listening to another episode of Wrestlers with Experience with your host, Dietrich Davis, one half of the most illustrious tag team in the world and known universe with co-host Mark Morell. I thank you once again for being patient and coming back to us after we had our little technical difficulties. But we'll be back with three to four pieces of content a week. We hope that you guys listen, enjoy, write us and share this with your friends and family who are lovers of professional wrestling. Ladies and gentlemen, I catch you on the next episode. <laughs>